Welcome to The Heavy with Andrew and Don, where we cover a broad range of rock and metal topics for the casual listener. I'm your host, Don Sutherland, and with me as always is my brother, self-proclaimed metalhead, Andrew Sutherland. What's up, dirtbags? Andrew, what are we talking about? Uh, today we'll be talking about Al Jorgensen and the band Ministry. All right, let's get into it. Oh, my turn to be late. We need like an internal <laughs> countdown. Yeah, maybe we should figure something out. Yeah. All right. So, who is uh, who is Al Jorgensen? So, the the band Ministry, they're uh, an industrial band. So, industrial music is uh, as a simple definition of industrial music. It's music a, made a, entirely a, out of sheets of metal and pipes. Essentially, yes. Uh, okay. Well, it's it'd be uh, I, I define it as an aggressive fusion of rock and electronic music often to the heavier side as well and sometimes no guitars at all sometimes purely electronic but it's simply put a fusion of rock and electronic music but okay. uh, the, the band ministry al jorgensen is basically the the guy behind ministry he's the only member who's been it the whole time he, he pretty much is the band other musicians have been in the band with him for like you know several years for a lot of albums but he's the, the main guy so i i got into ministry back when i was in junior high in the mid 90s one of my friends was into an album called the land of rape and honey which was their first album that really turned them into a, an industrial band and sort of led them into being the title, the title heavier. took a second to set in. <laughs> yeah, and I have a great story oh, about that honey. title. Huh. When I, when I, you'll be very surprised when you find out where that title came from, but we'll get into that in a bit. Oh, perfect. But the album that I actually got into was called Psalm 69. That's the, the kind of the short title for it. That's what most people call nice. it. But, uh, but that album, I, I got it probably when I was about 14, and... I just I love that album. It's one of my top ten favorite albums of all time. It's pretty much a metal album, but it's got a lot of electronic components to it and samples and stuff. So it's considered an industrial album. What I what I love about that album, like I said, is the industrial sensibilities of it, mixed in with like heavy th- speed and thrash guitar riffs. And, right. um, and, and, and this and this guy's sort of like he's he's sort of like Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails sort of deal. Is that what it's like? Well, Trent Reznor actually was heavily influenced by him. So Trent oh, Reznor okay. came after. Trent, uh, he's actually in one of these stories as well. Trent Reznor is... Oh, wow. Uh, okay. I just kind of meant like in band structure, but all right. Yeah, Trent Reznor's music was heavily influenced by the stuff Ministry put out back in the day. Right. Okay. So that, that that ties in with everything as well. So, I mean, at, at that point in my in my musical... My musical, musical tastes at that point were I wanted some... Like, the heavier, the faster, the better. And even though this album wasn't maybe lumped in with a lot of the you know the heavier stuff at the time like thrash metal and death metal and stuff like that for me it was i mean the guitar work and it's phenomenal and and al jorgensen the way he puts songs together he's just he's like a musical genius the guy is just he's, he's amazing and even the the musicians who have worked with him and his friends they have accounts of how he just works so hard and you know he puts out so much material he's always remixing and and producing songs for everyone else and he's always trying to put out new stuff and He's just a so genius in the amount of ideas that he has. Well, and just how he edits music and, and how he sees it. And, and, you know, even back in the day when he was physically cutting the tape and editing it together that way to using more current methods, I guess. But from what I've, from what I've read about him and from what I've heard from the music that I've heard myself, he's just pretty much, pretty much a, a musical genius. Like a really smart dude. But, uh, 
the kind of workhorse that you hear lots of those guys are like the Beatles never left the studio and stuff like that kind of yeah that kind of thing he's kind of one of those guys and and to go along with that he was also just totally whacked out on drugs and alcohol like the whole time <laughs> up until well, so were, recently so were the Beatles so that's, yeah well that, countless other musicians I guess so really uh, yeah. the, the this episode is going to delve into the history of of ministry and it'll touch on a couple of the other bands that Al Jurgensen was involved in but ministry will be the main topic and it'll cover the beginning of the group up to that album Psalm 69 which was their pretty much their breakthrough album into the mainstream and the album that really got me into them so okay if if you want to uh start right from the beginning we'll we'll go through a, a quick history of of Al Jorgensen he Andrew, uh, yes I would like to start right from the beginning perfect that's exactly what I was looking for so Al Jorgensen's actually from Cuba he was born in Cuba and his birth name was Alejandro Ramirez oh. Casas I don't oh, okay. know if I'm that properly. <laughs> Jorgensen is as far as I know, not a very Cuban name. No, no, his original name was not Jorgensen. So in Cuba, his grandpa was actually kind of pre-Castro. His grandpa was a wealthy Cuban scientist who invented an efficient way to artificially inseminate cattle. And they lived in this huge house there. And I guess a few years after Al was born, uh, Castro's army appropriated his grandpa's mansion. So uh, the whole not family... To, oh, not to overshadow the Castro regime and all that, but uh, do we know how he invented this, or do we want to know how he invented how to artificially inseminate cattle, or I'm just going to glaze over it? I prefer not to read too deeply into that, to be okay. honest. <laughs> he made money on it? Let's leave it at that. So this, uh, his grandpa was wealthy. They had this big mansion, and uh, when Castro took his, his house from him, the family ended up emigrating to the States. So they first settled in Miami, and uh, they ended up going to... Chicago at some point and I think it has something something to do with his grandpa's work anyway and he was essentially raised by his grandma for a few years while his mom was looking for a husband and his mom ended up finding a husband a guy named Ed Jorgensen and hence where the name comes from so Al Jorgensen was raised mostly in Chicago and then Breckenridge Colorado so but Chicago was kind of his home base for the first part of his life so just a, I mean, I mean, there's a lot of stuff. I, re- I read his book, and there's a lot of things about his child in his book, and how he started using drugs and causing trouble. He he was uh, he got into trouble pretty early on as a kid. Like I said, substance abuse and causing a lot of damage and stuff. Like there's a lot of stuff in his book, a lot of more a lot more details about that. But we'll start getting into the music part of it now. So this is before you get into the music, the music part of this. This is coming from his autobiography. Yeah, he so he released the put out a book about eight or nine years ago and it's uh it's a biography he was co co-written with uh, a guy named joe wiederhorn who's a like a professional journalist he writes for a bunch of magazines and stuff so wiederhorn helped him write this book but i mean th- this book highly recommend it's it's a great read anybody who likes books like motley Crue, the dirt books that just crazy rock star stuff it's definitely something to check out and he's a pretty like i said pretty intelligent dude too so it's Pretty uh, interesting to hear his points of view on things. What's the book called? It's just called Ministry, The Lost Gospels According to Al Jorgensen. Cool. Okay. So, so that's the book, I guess, if you want to check it out. Yes, yeah, so I highly recommend it. I mean, I can't cover all these crazy stories that are in it. So, you know, we can touch on some of the stuff and anybody who's interested in more details can definitely check out that book. So we'll get into some of the, the how he started in music. So 
I mean, when he was a kid, he started playing guitar and all that. His uh, parents had got him a guitar. So as far as being in a band, the first band that kind of went anywhere was a it was a synth pop band called Special Effect in the early 80s. Mm. So the band broke up shortly after he had an onstage fight with the drummer. I guess the drummer had missed the drumming part, and Al lost his shit and hit him in the head with his guitar. And then the drummer beat the living shit out of him in front of the crowd. So <laughs> oh, it didn't it didn't end well for Al. Okay. Yeah, and needless to say, the band <laughs> broke up after this. So yes. <laughs> but uh, they had oh really? What a what a surprise! <laughs> yeah. So special effect had some guys that went on to other things and had some success. Um, so after this, Al formed uh, Ministry with some other musicians, and they put out an album called With Sympathy in 1983. And Jorgensen doesn't like to acknowledge this album too much because he doesn't he says the record label just kind of controlled everything and told him what to do and ch- you know, what songs to use and all this stuff and kind of an age-old story yeah he, he didn't he said he didn't have a lot of cre- creative control over it and just a lot of interference right. from the label and he wasn't very happy with it and he still even to this day he has trouble acknowledging it he doesn't like to like talk about it very much but uh, and i guess all through this period the first couple albums starting with this one he actually used a fake English accent for the albums. And you can you can really hear it in the songs. It sounds like it's, it's, you think he's British, and you find out he's from Chicago, <laughs> via Cuba, I guess. But like like a like a heavy metal Madonna or something, just fake accent. Yeah, oddly enough, he's got some stories about Madonna. <laughs> but uh, what? Okay, wow. Yeah, the, every everything I reference is connected <laughs> to this guy somehow. Well, he's he's had run-ins <laughs> with so many people in uh, especially the music industry. I mean, I, I, I looked. I looked him up just now. This is sort of a side note, just to see what he looked like. Picture Captain Jack Sparrow, but if he did a bunch of bunch of crack. Yeah, but if you sort of what he looks like. Honestly, look at a picture of him from the first album, like from the early '80s. He did a music video for With Sympathy called Revenge, and there's a, there's a music video mm-hmm. for it on. You can find it on YouTube, and you look at him there, and you look at him now, and. His, his physical appearance has tra- changed so drastically. Oh wow! Yeah, okay. Yeah, he looks, <laughs> like he a, looks a lot more like Robert Smith from The Cure in the eighties. A hundred percent. Yeah, and I, I think that was the yeah. look back then, right? That was just the look that people had, especially in. Oh yeah, I guess the, so. In the type of music that they were making. Yeah. Okay. Well, my, my I'll let you get back to the actual. <laughs> so, and I mean, this surprised me. Even back in the day, I started listening to Ministry, and to me, they're pretty much a metal band and then i later on found out that they're actually a synth pop band originally so it was kind of surprising and it was it was neat going back and hearing some of the old stuff so after with sympathy came out he ended up getting away from i believe the record label arista he finally got out of that contract and ended up going to sire another record label and the first album that he put out the sire was called twitch so it was still essentially an electronic album or a synth it was not really a synth pop album i guess it was kind of on the verge of becoming industrial starting to get a little bit more aggressive with the beats a little bit heavier a little bit darker uh so it was, like i said twitch started to put him in that direction and after twitch it uh, got even darker a little heavier and they put out the land of rape and honey so what i found really interesting about that album and i remember this album from way back when i first heard of ministry one of my friends like i said was really into that album and that's what first put them on my radar and the title from that album even though you'd never think it actually came from a slogan 
of a Saskatchewan, small Saskatchewan town called Tisdale. So I guess they they saw this on a mug. It was like a, a souvenir mug from this town. And the uh, the welcome sign for this town read, Welcome to Tisdale, land of rape and honey. What? Yeah, I swear <laughs> to God. But it actually refers to uh, rapeseed, which is, it was an export of that town. And so uh, rape and uh, honey was just names for this, this rapeseed. It's a... Uh, uh, like a crop that they would, whatever they use it for, it, it created. I, I guess just, just a couple of really small town guys were like, "Yeah, this makes sense." Yeah, well, this it was doesn't mean anything bad at all. It was it was on the cities or the town. It was on their sign up until 2016, <laughs> and finally, the uh, enough people in the town voted to have it changed or taken down or whatever. But I had no. Uh, that's so. That's so funny. Isn't that crazy? Like, they just have to leave it there. There's our Canadian connection there, eh? <laughs> So after my uh, after the line of rape and honey, they they hadn't used guitar up to this point. The, so the sound that they were starting to get was it was just much heavier and darker. And there's even the first song Stigmata on that album, which even though apparently it's his least favorite song on that album, but that's one of the big hits on that album. That at least one of the ones that I heard first. And it it sounds really heavy, but there's actually no guitar on it. So the next album was when they actually started to use guitar, and that album's called. So- so it's like a whole decade before they start using guitar. Yeah, pretty close. So, yeah, like Mind of the Terrible Thing to Taste, which is the album after that, it came out in 1989. So pretty close to it, damn near to a decade. So and one one thing, actually, this is something that he stated later on, I believe. But he mentioned that his the, what got him into the guitars and like the heavy, the thrash guitar stuff was the band S.O.D., the Stormtroopers of Death, which was some guys from Anthrax, and uh, a guy named Billy Milano, but they they put out a thrash album in the mid '80s, and uh, that influenced Al Jorgensen, and also a band called Rigor Mortis. And Rigor Mortis was a thrash band from Texas, who were they were kind of, I guess at the time they were a pretty big deal, and in, in, in certain circles, but they're fairly uh, fairly obscure, but like super talented. And he ended up the the guitarist from Rigor Mortis, Mike Scascia, ended up becoming the guitarist from Ministry at that point. So okay. he, he didn't he didn't do any of the guitar parts and mind is a terrible thing to taste, but he did tour for that album with them and he made like quite a few albums with Al Jorgensen after that with Ministry. Okay, so, cool. So that's the album Mind is a Terrible Thing to Taste is when they started using guitar. So th- there's a few few stories from around that time period. Uh Trent Reznor, Nine Inch Nails, who we spoke about before, I guess they had this four track recorder that they were supposed to use for the show and Al spilled beer on it and wrecked it. So they got one of the one of the guys from the band said he knew a guy that had one that they could use, possibly use. So they they called he called him up and it ended up being Trent Reznor. He had this four track recorder, and he didn't want to leave it with him because he needed to do it, use it for his music, which would become Nine Inch Nails. And right. uh, Al made a deal with him that if they were able to use his four track recorder, he could come on tour with them. So they got Trent Reznor, who's like at the time super young, and he uh, went on tour with Ministry. And I guess they used to just mess with them really bad. Like they'd throw firecrackers at them, these black cat firecrackers. They they like throw them at him while he was sleeping and wake him up with them and stuff. <laughs> they threw black cats at him. Yeah, and then they get him like he tried to like keep up with him, like drinking and stuff. And he gets super drunk and pass out. And then they draw all over him, draw dicks all over his face with sharpies and stuff. <laughs> they, and eventually they messed with him so bad that he just like pretended his grandma called him and said she needed help or something. And he ended up like taking off oh, <laughs> and not finishing oh, the tour. Trent. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Trent. And then, like, five years later, he has a Grammy. <laughs> yeah, but but I guess... Yeah, I go. Oops. <laughs> Al and Trent Reznor are apparently still 
pretty good friends. Like they have a lot of respect for each other. And and Trent right. Reznor admits that he was heavily influenced by that early ministry stuff. Like the, you can you can hear the influence in Nine Inch Nails if you were to listen to the early ministry stuff and then the Nine Inch Nails stuff. Like uh, when it gets into pretty hate machine downward spiral and stuff and yeah yeah that's like kind of just like young guys messing around but that's yeah. really funny oh man there's so many so <laughs> many stories about crazy stuff in their tours like, i'm only i'm just Res- carry on <laughs> oh i was gonna say trent Reznor essentially like yeah my mom said i need to come home <laughs> basically <laughs> i need to go yeah like he said his grandma called him and he had to leave <laughs> that's so funny so I'll, I'll go through a few more stories though and Kind of, I want to work towards the Psalm 69 album. So, what I was planning on doing is we'll we'll cover everything up till Psalm 69, and there's just there's just so much stuff to cover with this guy because he he has so much musical output and so many crazy stories that we'll end up doing a second part to this later. So, right, we'll, we'll, yeah, this will be part one of uh, Al Jorgensen ministry, and then we'll okay, yeah, because we're only at what 1990 right now. Yeah, and I mean they put out an album in 2018 that i actually went wow. to the, i actually went to the show it was awesome oh wow yeah so uh yeah we'll keep going here so cool. a couple more stories uh a show at the ritz theater in 1988 jorgensen walked into his dressing room and metallica was in his dressing room drinking his beer and he tried to get him to leave and they basically told him to fuck off and he uh so <laughs> he wanted him to leave so he uh, went up to the deli tray and he jammed a bunch of food from the deli tray deli tray in his ass and then he ran at them all backwards and chased them all out of the room. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and he tried to like, he said he, he brushed like Lars's arm or something with a piece of celery. <laughs> so, pretty crazy. What the, that's like, that's very similar to the distraction technique used in the movie MacGruber where he puts the celery in his ass and walks towards him. <laughs> I, I, Al Jorgensen is just a pioneer. I almost feel like they got a lot of this stuff from this guy because all the stuff that he did, he did before everyone else did. You know, it's crazy. Seriously, though. No. And and ironically, reading, uh, I was reading some stuff from Joe Wiederhorn, who's the co-author of his biography. And the first time that Joe Wiederhorn had heard of ministry was actually from Lars of Metallica, which is pretty funny. Talking about how he had to deal with food coming out of this guy's ass. No, no, this this had been previously. I, I don't think he would have been speaking too highly <laughs> ministry after getting touched with the ass celery. Especially not especially not Lars. Yeah. I'm sure yeah. Lars did not like that. Yeah, Lars also holds a grudge <laughs> for a long time. Yeah. 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 We've talked about before. <laughs> so we're we're coming up on the time period of uh when they released Psalm sixty nine, which ended up being their big breakthrough. And I I think still to this day their biggest commercial success. So the song "Jesus Built My Hot Rod" was the first single released from that, and that's a song that a lot of people <laughs> would would know if they if you talked to the layman and you said ministry, especially back in the '90s, that that would have been the song they would have heard. There was there was a vid- right. video for it. It was the first single released. So Gibby Haynes from Butthole Surfers. Uh, I don't know if you know who Butthole Surfers are. I know of the Butthole Surfers. Yeah, so Gibby Haynes is the singer from Butthole Surfers. He did the vocal track for that song. So before they had the song title and whatnot. They had Gibby Haynes come into the studio to do a song with him. And I guess he showed up so shit-faced for the recording that he couldn't even walk. So he he was spewing out a bunch of nonsense on, on the mic. Like, made no sense at all. He was falling off a stool and spilling whiskey everywhere. And Al ended up taking all this nonsense crap that he said and editing it into a pretty good song, actually. 
but he said it took him a long time, but he ended up making a song out of it. I mean, that's how they make some Rick and Morty episodes. So yeah, hey, it works. It works, man. Yeah, and uh, that's a tried and true method. Yeah, exactly. And Jorgensen admits in his book that he still he has no idea what the intro or lyrics are about. The song was complete nonsense, but it ended up being a big hit for them. <laughs> it was, from what I can gather, it was one of their probably their first big mainstream hit, really, back in the nineties. I just looked it up. Uh, even on just on Spotify, that's their most streamed. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and yeah, it's it's utter nonsense. You listen to the song, and there's a spoken word intro, and in the spoken word <laughs> intro, it sounds all dark and serious and stuff, and it's total nonsense. <laughs> it's just him drunk. Let me take a listen to it. Well, the the intro is actually Jorgensen, and it's not. Um, the the intro is just him. He added it into the song later, but all the. The verses and stuff is is Gibby Haynes just spewing out drunk nonsense. It's just being <laughs> wasted on the yeah in the studio. I'm listening to the spoken word intro. <laughs> At least knowing that beforehand, it's a little silly. Because <laughs> he's like, before Jesus' career as a prophet. I probably just ruined it for you. <laughs> it's a great song though. The, the, the guitar, <laughs> the the guitar riff in that song is amazing though. It's a it's a great song. Mm-hmm. But it makes no sense. <laughs> if you're, if you're <laughs> right, yeah. If you're looking for any, any um, deeper meaning in it, you're not going to find it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, or at least not a deeper meaning that they intended to put put in there. So we'll we'll end the stories there. And, and like I said, there's so many more. This is just barely scratching the surface because uh, Al Jorgensen has got. When you talk about the debauched, crazy rock star lifestyle, this guy is he's he's seen it all and he's done it all, man. It's it's pretty nuts. So we'll get into the music part of it. Oh, yeah, okay. Well, let's get into the workout playlist section. I ain't got time to breathe. This is the trouble! Let's put a smile on that face. I took the wrong week to quit drinking. So I had to lengthen the workout playlist a little bit because... There's there's so much musical output from this guy, and this is just from Ministry. This isn't even including the Revolting Cox and the other bands that he's involved in. Other group. Right. So just from With Sympathy to Psalm 69, to, to pull just four songs out of there just doesn't do it justice. So I did six songs. I, I'm going to start. I'll, I'll go chronologically. So the first song that I'm going to put on the workout playlist, and although it's calling it a workout playlist might be a bit of a misnomer, because the first, <laughs> the first song is called "I Wanted to Wanted to Tell Her," which was the song that they got to number three in the da- number thirteen on the dance charts back then. So this song, it's it's kind of it's a synth, synth pop song. So it's still pretty far cry from industrial and metal, which he'll get into later on. Okay, but it's 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 got a great bass line. It's a catchy dance track. It's got some guest vocals from a, a singer named Shay Jones, and Ooh. it's honestly just a, it's just a catchy song. It's if you're if you're a ministry fan from the '90s, like how I came in, back when I was 14, listening to that, I, I probably wouldn't have even given this a second listen. I would have heard it and been like, "What the hell is this crap?" Right? But being a little more mature and having a little more patience with the music, I I listened to that album and, and that song particularly stands out to me. It's just it's it's a pretty solid song, even though. Yeah, I, what was that name again? I wanted to tell her. I wanted to tell her. Let's give that a listen.
Oh. That, you know what? I would work out to that song. <laughs> I was going to say before, I, I once worked out to Graduation by Vitamin C. <laughs> Looped a couple times. Ian, make sure you cut this out. <laughs> but no, they need to know. I was losing all credibility as we speak. <laughs> they, need, they need to know. It was on like, because I looked it up, it was on like some Instagram post I saw and I was like, Graduation by Vitamin C. And I looked up and like, oh, this song. And then I looped it a couple times. <laughs> all right. Well, I wanted to tell her, uh, that, I like it. I didn't, that's not what I expected them to sound like, like early on. The next song in the list is it's called All Day. It's, uh, it's from the album Twitch. Which is the album after, with sympathy. So okay. this this is the album that they start to transition to, cl- more of an industrial sound uh, away from synth pop. So it starts to get a little bit more uh, beat driven, a little bit, uh, a little bit darker. So all, all day was a song that was on. It was on the A side. It was from a wax track single that they put out, and then they did a a remix of it for this album. And I, I just find the side. It's got a really like cool hypnotizing beat. And uh, it's just a real, it's it's just a good song for me. Like I put it on, it just, it just it's starting to get a little bit of the hints of the industrial sound that they're going to get later on. Right. And uh, but you can hear them starting to evolve in it. Yeah. Oh, definitely. The, yeah. I mean, that whole album, you can really start to hear the the evolution of their sound yeah. away from that record company synth pop crap, right? Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna. I'll, I'll give this a shot then. All day, ministry. Oh yeah, you really can tell. Cause it, cause yeah, in, uh, in I wanted to tell her, they have a, it's a lot more sort of melodical, with the uh, with, yeah. with the synth and the keyboard, and they have heavier beats in in all day for sure. Yeah, definitely. So uh, what I'm saying is, you're not a liar, at least not I, here. I almost know what I'm talking about. <laughs> almost. <laughs> so on to the next song. Uh, we're going to go to the land of rape and honey and it's the title track the land of rape and honey so th- there's still at this point no guitar but the 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 tone is still is already getting much heavier and darker even from twitch so there's still no guitars in it uh it's it's going in the same direction as twitch was with that that the heavier beat and uh, uh, further away from that classic structure song structure that they had in the first album they're getting into more, I guess, electronic, industrial sound. I'll give the Land and Rape on Honey a listen to. So I, I'd like to explain why I didn't pick Stigmata. So Stigmata especially for metalheads would be the song that would stand out the most on the album because that's, it, it almost sounds like there's guitar in that song. It's where they start to sound almost like they're taking almost like a metal song, but Stigmata is just, it was, it was Al's least favorite song. And he, I guess they just bashed that song out just to throw it, to get a song for the album to, to put on there. And there's a lot more time and effort and thought into the other songs in the album. And the latter, but honey just had a really cool beat. I, I like, yeah, yeah. I really like how it sounds. It's, it's definitely 
you can hear the progression. Like they definitely they get heavier and heavier every every song that goes along. Yeah, exactly. So the next song that we're going to is off the Mind is a Terrible Thing to Taste album. So this is the first album where Al and Ministry introduced guitars. So this song it starts off with like a, it's a machine gun riff kind of at the start, and then it it gets into a little bit into the song. the The tempo increases quite a bit. It's just a really cool, like aggressive sounding song, and it, you get that really that that industrial sound with that the the rock and the uh, electronic music mixed together. And the, the, the just the, uh, thieves. Did I even say that? Thieves. No, you didn't. <laughs> I was like waiting for it. Yeah, sorry. Uh, the first song <laughs> off. Thieves. The, the first song off of mine is a terrible thing to taste. It's called Thieves. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now, now I have it ready to go. Apart from the guitar being introduced in the song in this album, and those, like I said, those quick machine gun riffs, and then that that tempo, that upbeat tempo, where it, like it kicks off, like probably yeah, it, three four it, times it gets faster. In right away. Mm-hmm. And then there's also some some samples cut in from Full Metal Jacket from the Drill Sergeant. Because <laughs> kind of cool. Al started getting really heavy into putting samples into the songs. As these, oh yeah, I hear that. I hear the samples. Yeah. <laughs> I'm <listening> to it. <laughs> so you can hear that progression to to more guitar-driven industrial sound, right? Oh yeah, there's like samples of drills and stuff in there too. Yeah, they. Yeah, it sounds like a drill. You can, you can see you can see where they start to go, like the road they go down. Yeah. This, <laughs> and then the first comments on this is the first song I ever learned how to play on power drill. <laughs> <laughs> Random drills yeah. in the song there. <laughs> So moving on to the last two songs. So I, I have to put two songs on from Psalm 69 because Psalm 69, as I said, is in my top 10 favorite albums of all time. This album just mm-hmm. had a huge influence on me back in the day when it came to music. Although most people would probably put Jesus Built My Hobbit on there because that's the, the biggest song or the, the song that most people would know about on that album if they weren't a huge ministry fan. Right. Uh, personally, my favorite song on that album is actually a song called Hero. And the song is just, it's got an incredible aggressive thrash speed metal riff and like brutal lyrics about war and death. And it's just, it was such a, mm-hmm. it was just such an adrenaline pumping song. And the way it starts out with this, I don't even know what it is, but it starts out with this weird electronic sampling at the start and then it breaks into this riff and it's just incredible, like the, the, the heaviness of it. And that was one of the songs that really got me into like heavy thrash guitar. And even though it's not technically a thrash song, I mean, the Mike Scacia is a, a thrash guitarist, and you can really tell with his style and that the direction. Right, yeah, I'll take a listen to this. Yeah, that's a massive jump from Thieves because Thieves they just start the guitar and then this one all of a sudden they sound like I'm it might as well be like a Metallica riff. Well, like I, I just... would say probably because 
Mike didn't do the guitars on on the album for Mine is a ter- Terrible Thing to Taste. Uh, I believe Al did the guitars on that. And although Al's a guitarist, Mike's a much more technically advanced. He's he's a much he's, he's a very skilled guitarist. He's he's got a he's he's got a lot more. Yeah, you, like, you can tell in this thrash chops and Al does as well. So yeah, I, when they go from technical. when they go from one album to the other, you can really tell the jump in in guitar uh, proficiency. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's awesome. So the so the last song in the workout playlist is going to be another song from Psalm sixty nine, and it's called Just One Fix. I believe we talked about it before. That's the video that William Burroughs is in. There's right. cool scenes with him. Oh, <laughs> yeah, he's he's in the thumbnail of it. He's just this really really old guy. Yeah, he was he was super old by the time they made that video. But so Just One Fix is another. It was the can't remember if it was it was three singles on that album. So there was. Um, Jesus built my hot rod. Just one fix and NWO. So just just one fix was another one of the singles, and there was a video for it. It's another awesome thrash riff. And it's got these distorted lyrics, and uh, Al was like super. He was all messed up on heroin at the time and drugs and stuff. And the uh, the lyrics are pretty self-explanatory about like addiction and all that. Right. All right. I'm gonna give just one fix a listen. And, and that just one fix was actually nominated for best metal performance to the Grammys. Oh wow! For that, yeah, that year. Nomination yeah. And there's a couple samples in that one as well. There's a sample from the movie Sid and Nancy, and then there's another sample of Fred Sinatra from a movie called The Man with the Golden Arm. Mm. So as these albums are progressing, Al's starting to put more and more samples into his songs. Oh yeah, like it's it's just right into. It, it it is very thrashy. You're right. Yeah, but what, once you when you go from even from the mind is a terrible thing to taste to Psalm sixty nine, it goes much more guitar heavy. So Psalm sixty nine is very guitar driven compared right. to the previous albums. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I mean that that entire album. I, I mean I could probably put most of that album on this list, but we'd have to limit it, right? <laughs> yeah. So a couple of honorable mentions would be uh, NWO which is the other single and then uh, Jesus Built My Hot Rod which is the other single and then uh, the other the title song Psalm 69 is also got a great riff on it it's an awesome song so just throw those out there I'm not mm-hmm. going to get deep into them but yeah definitely uh, recommend oh, so is that is that the workout playlist that is the workout playlist alright awesome so uh, is there any news right now about him i guess he said he put out an album in 2018 so i imagine he's probably still active yeah I, we'll probably go more into the news on the next episode because we're going to get more into the current stuff that'll yeah so we we'll, kind of stopped at like 19 early 90s here. yeah and, and he's been putting out stuff from then up till 2018 so we there's there's still lots to cover so we'll we'll get into the the more recent stuff in the news on the second episode i guess if that's it that's it, right? That's it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> We're good. Cool. So that is going to do it for this episode of The Heavy, uh, part one of Al Jorgensen. Uh, please be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. If you like the show, 
please tell a friend. Leave us a star rating. Our show is edited by Ian Sutherland with Andrew doing all the research. Our brother Rob Sutherland designed our logo. Our theme song is Stallions of the Highway by Savage Blade. I am your host, Don Sutherland. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you again in two weeks. Later. <laughs>